Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us! Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night, this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn. He had this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you got me. Now look at that guy. You only fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Well, uh, I'm here in the freezing cold getting free chicken sandwiches. Because the food tastes great. I mean, there's no, there's no, I mean, it's chicken. It's fried chicken. It's fried chicken. I like fried chicken. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J-Cat Morris. Man, I got a lot to talk about. You're going to have to bear with me because as usual lately, this is kind of my new norm a little bit, but these medications, yeah, the medication, I should say, I don't have multiple, um, it it has me kind of hazy a lot of days. I can get things done. I can get um, my point across a lot of times. Sometimes it takes me a little longer to get to that point. Um, sometimes it takes me a little longer to get off the ground to, to doing the tasks that I'm doing. Um, it almost feels like I'm in like, you know, outside of my body, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing, but you know, you're kind of watching it happen. It's, it's weird sometimes this, and some days are completely normal. So it's not even like, you know, this is an every single day thing, but you just never know where you're going to be dealt, uh, with this thing. Um, so you know, I'm doing my best to, to maintain and 
Uh, like I said, I, I have so much to talk to you about. Um, so I just want to get into the, the personal side of things and, you know, where I'm at there and all of that stuff and what I've been dealing with up until this week that has been just fantastic. But, you know, again, the ups and downs are always always going to be there. Um, so previous to this week, shit was getting really, really rough. I, I had went at least a month without disability payment and three weeks without medication. I so much time playing phone tag between the the disability office and the doctor office and doctor's office and then the uh, doctor's office and the medication company. And so the beginning of, of that part of things, so check this out. This woman at the doctor's office had told me uh, months ago when we recertified for my disability because, um, you know, we were extending it, going on the chemo um, pills, and, you know, they were taking me out for the six months. So the disability had to be extended from the point of the initial surgery until, you know, this thing. She she was like, yo, I like, I got you. And when she extended it, she was like, uh, you know, I know how the system works. I know you guys have to eat. You need to pay your bills. I, I don't play around with this stuff. I know what I'm doing. I'll handle it. If you have any problem at any point, let me know. And immediately, like that day or the next day, boom, she had things fixed and up and running and everything, right? And she assured me afterwards, make sure it's okay all the time. And if you ever see a problem with it at all, if it stops for a second, you know, you let me know, right? So I don't know if you can guess what happens next, but... Um, it stopped, we called, and, um, they let us know that she left on bad terms and fucked everybody's shit up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that launched the next month of trying to go back and forth with the disability, where you just call the disability, you wait on hold for a literal fucking hour, and the end result is them going... Well, we need to get certification from the doctor. Okay. So then you call the doctor if they're still open that day, and you go, you know, they need certification. And they go, well, yeah, we tried to call, and then we left a message or, you know, or like they, they're playing phone tag with them, and then I'm in the middle seeing if they called them, and this one talked to that one, and, like, there's no – real thing I could do. Like, there's no phone call I could place to put it in motion. I, like, this point A and point C have to connect, and I'm B in the middle that has really fucking, like, no control over the situation. So, that was really, really fucking frustrating. And then, um, the the medication was like, uh, all of a sudden they're like, well, they ran out of the medication. It's on back order from the pharmacy that we set you up with. Because this medication has to come from, like, outside pharmacies. It's, like, some, some I don't know. It, it's some weird shit with these chemo drugs. It's weird. It has a radiation bag that it shows up in, you know, with the radiation symbol on it and shit. You know, the whole thing is pretty fucking scary. But anyway, um, they ran out of that. And uh, so they're like, yeah, we're sending you to this other pharmacy. And the doctor told me straight up, she's like, we would rather not send you to this pharmacy because it's really not like our preferred pharmacy. And it's, it's somewhat of a black box, she says. 
which I don't even know what the fuck that means. You know what I mean, I used to steal cable with that shit back in the day. I don't, I don't know what that has to do with my fucking medication. So, call them, set it up. Seemingly, it's supposed to be good to go. Not getting medication. Fucking call them back. We need certification from the fucking doctor. Now you call the doctor. We we called them and we call you know. Again, and it's just back and forth and fucking three weeks off this shit, and you're not supposed to miss, like, doses. Like, so this is the shit that I was dealing with for, like, a good fucking month stretch. So it was, it was just a pain in the ass, the whole thing. And um, that was that, was that you know. So, again, this is why, like, you know, financially shit is not easy, man. I was right up against it, and, you know, I was able to, like, kind of fucking pull the, uh, what do they call that shit on the plane? <laughs> the fucking, it's not a steering wheel. Uh, I don't know. You pull that shit up so you don't fucking crash into the, the mountain. You know what I mean? And we're able to pull that shit up last minute, and that, it's like it's tough. Sometimes this shit is, and like I said, my brain gets so cloudy that I can't always navigate this shit as smoothly as I'd like to because it's just it's foggy. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's been wild. Um, and then leading up to this week, so this week, my birthday week, I, um, shit, my headphone just came out, but I think you could still hear me. Let me see. Uh, the fuck? All right. Uh, now you can hear me. Um, but yeah, my birthday week, um, I had planned on this being really, really big for me because, you know, it's turning 45 and with this, this cancer thing, like, there are such huge um, positives and negatives to the mind state that it's put me in. Um, the negative side of things is is very similar to the positive in that um, everything feels very final. Everything feels very important. Uh, you don't feel like you could waste time doing things or you can't um, allow people to be abusive to you for any length of time, which you know, it's, it's good, but, like, you know, the the part of life where you just kind of have to endure a lot and tolerate a lot, I mean, that that's just going to be part of life for everybody. But I think my, my ability to tolerate bullshit is way smaller because of that. Um, because it just feels like, you know, you might not get another shot at it. So for things to be half-assed or for you to not... Um, have the support that you would need in a lot of situations, it's just unacceptable because you can't, like, wait for it to show up. You can't, like, expect later on, like, you're going to have a whole different, um, you know, crew around you or anything like that. Like, you know, you you really got to, like, focus on shit being as good as you can make it in every moment, I think, you know, which puts a lot of pressure on a lot of situations. But again, towards the positive side of things, to me, everything is very final. So in that, every experience is so monumental. It's, it's not just another birthday. People write every, every type of thing off. People write days off constantly. Uh, people have talked themselves into Monday being bullshit. The fuck, man? Like the people who died on Sunday didn't think Monday were bullshit. They wished they had Monday, you know? Uh, so it, it's, we've tied ourselves to these, these constructs of just kind of getting complacent and getting 
ignoring the clock, you know, ignoring the fact that, like, all of this shit is running out. Like, we don't know when either. Like, people lose their lives at all sorts of different ages and shit. And when you see that shit in front of you the way that I did, everything just becomes just magnified. The negatives, the positives, everything. So that's why it's somewhat of a gift and a curse, but right now I'm I'm really, really just bathing in every positive I can because it, it just it feels different now. Shit feels fucking different. And uh AC, like, you know, every year we go to AC for my birthday. I usually, you know, go the night before. So that the morning uh, I wake up and it's my birthday, you know, I wake up in AC and that that shit's cool. The whole night before we do a little gambling, we don't you know, uh um not much. I, and now at this point, because I used to have, I remember when I was younger, my limit was always like 100. And sometimes I would even get like, getting, you know, amped up on myself or whatever, and I'd put out 120, 140. But I've always had a problem with losing large, large amounts of money. You know what I mean? Um, you know, some people have that mentality that, oh, man, now I'm going to win it all back. And most of the time you start betting more reckless and then you lose more money quicker. But obviously there's enough um, examples of people who have made fucking tons of fucking money gambling that, you know, there's that that carrot dangling over your head. But I, I just, I got to the point now where I get annoyed. Like, I lose 20. I'm like, man, this shit isn't feeling good at all. Like, I don't like the way that went. Like, I just got nothing for my $20. I mean, you had a chance of something, but... I don't like the way that fucking feels. And the 40 goes down, and you're like, mm, while it's getting tight, motherfucker, you know what I mean? Not that I don't have more money. It's just I'm not willing to fucking lose. And that last fucking 20 uh, out of that 60 now, because now 60 feels like my limit, start trying to win back part of that 40 I lost. And if I could get back whole and walk the fuck away, I feel like a champion. You know what I mean? Like, So that's that's how I gamble now. It's not... And I play roulette. That's all I play. And um, I actually like the video roulette, too, because now you don't even have to deal with the fucking people. Um, Except for there was this dude just trying to, like... (laughs) This dude was just... He was weaseling his way into this woman. Like, this this woman was probably, like, 60. And I just hear the shit going on next to me, and he's just... He's tapping on the fucking bubble, and he's like, Talk nice to me now. Come up now. 28... Yeah, like he he's getting hyped up. He's like cheerleading on this shit. And then, you know, this lady who wasn't with him, she's over there and she's like probably sixty or something like that. And I hear him start talking about, Oh, don't don't worry about them cobwebs, girl. I I'll take care of that and I'm like, Oh boy, here we go And now he's like fucking pouring it on. Oh, this my baby right here and it's like they met like in front of me thirty seconds ago. And this shit is like he's ordering drinks, he's trying to like make the move so that was like the experience with the gambling. But again, it was like I, I lost $37 because I, I lost the 40 And when I went back in with the 60, you know, with, with the, uh, the extra 20 to make it 60, um, I, I won back a little bit and I was like, all right, let's, let's, let's do done with this. We went over to lucky snake. Um, I, I enjoy that far more than even, you know, just the uh, the gambling side of things, because you're playing games, you know? 
So we went over there, um, had a lot of fun playing all sorts of arcade games and shit. Um, we did the dark ride thing twice. I love that dark ride thing. I, I think that's dope. They got it at I Play America. They got it at um, this joint now at Lucky Snake. It's cool. They had a clown one and a, and a zombie one. We did both of those. And uh, at the I Play when we went, we did the... What the fuck did we do? That was like a different zombie one. And Monsters. Yeah, Monsters was the other one we did. But, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun, you know. And But the thing about the whole experience to me was just my fucking attitude. And that's the thing is that's so different about everything. I could get to redo every single thing I've ever done in life, and it would feel so different right now because my perspective on shit is just uh, – it's completely night and day. So, you know, I, I just enjoyed our time there so fucking much. And, um, you know, and then the next morning got up. Um, we were going to go down to the gym and train and then get, hit the, the, the jacuzzi and the pool and shit. Because we've never done that. We've stayed at the ocean a bunch of times. We've never done that, even though that's, like, included in your stay if you'd like to. And it's right up my alley. But the problem is, is now, like, I haven't been able to go to sleep since I've been out of work. I haven't been able to go to sleep before 3 o'clock in the morning every night because of the, the mental side of things I'm dealing with. And um, that doesn't allow me to pop up at fucking 8 o'clock and start working out. And so I was, like, you know, dragging myself out of bed, cranky, and, like, mm, fuck all of this. And then just, you know, steering myself back onto the road, but just going, you know, let's not do the the gym and pool thing a little early for that and we decided to take a walk on the boardwalk we went out on onto one of those jetties i never i never did that I, i've lived near the ocean most of my life and i've never walked out onto a jetty with those rocks and shit and that shit was just fascinating to me that shit was beautiful and um you know we went out there walked down the boardwalk we walked through this fucking mall um that you know i've gone to a bunch of times over the years but this thing is, it's crazy because I don't know what the fuck's going on there. I think they're trying to, like, um, revitalize it and start it all up again. But right now it's, like, beautiful. You can see some things are under construction. But it's gorgeous and empty as a motherfucker. Like, all the stores are closed, but you can just walk through the mall of this, like, pristine architecture and, like, art and, like, the way that it's done up that you're like, this is gorgeous and fucking creepy because you're just walking through this empty space like every once in a while someone walks through with a broom and mop and shit and you're like what the fuck like who's even paying these motherfuckers like they're not <laughs> there's no operations going on here and it, it's just it's wild to see that and i'm sure they're gonna you know get it up and popping and it's gonna be amazing but yeah it was wild because we never i haven't been down there in years since we started going to the ocean i haven't been down like the caesar side of things in a long time because it's quite a it's quite a hike, so we got a good walk in, you know, going down that way, you know, coming back, and then uh, you know, we pretty much just uh, we went home from there. Um, after that, we uh, I was like, I just want to do something small and local, you know. The kids had school the next day, so it was like mini golf or bowling or some shit, and we we haven't done either in a long time, so it was like, yeah, it'd be some cool little whatever thing to do. Um, and out of my twins, uh, Crystal wanted to do mini golf, and Jada wanted to do bowling. 
So then uh, when I got back, Mary Jane was kind of the deciding factor, and she, she went with bowling as well. So we all went, and it was a good little time and everything. Um, on the way back, I stopped and I got my PlayStation 5 because I planned on when I got my tax money, which I just got. Um, that would be my one of my small little splurges where I I threw at that, you know, and because um, I love playing my video games and stuff, even though I'm not like an awesome gamer or any of that shit. Um, I enjoy a lot of it, and um, especially with all the home time I have now, I definitely play more of it than ever. Um, probably since I was a kid or, you know, but, um, yeah, uh, so I got that on the way home and then I got into the house and it's so funny because I fucking walked into the house, my kitchen that was like, had a whole bunch of fucking people in it that were surprising me and I didn't even fucking see them. I walked into my room to put my coffee down, I had my uh, cold brew coffee, and I went to put it down, and turn around, and fucking surprise, whatever, and that was, that was a great surprise, that was, you know, Nina put that together, she's just amazing, you know, she's, she's everything to me, she, she really, um, she's the one person that stuck by me for decades, through the good, the bad, all of that shit, and most people don't stay around me for too long, and that's just, uh, it is what it is, you know, um, that's, that's tough to deal with, but it's, it's become pretty normal. Um, but, uh, yeah, she, she put that together and she got a couple, you know, my favorite people from work, um, Maria and Sandy and, um, Jess and Holly and Chris. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just really dope. And Tiffany and, um. Yeah, it was just, I didn't expect that at all, and the thing is, is, you know, a lot of these people, too, like, for whatever reason, the first two months I was home, I couldn't lift 10 pounds, I, I, you know, I, for the first half a month, it was hard to even move, you know what I mean, like, a couple weeks, it, it was, it was rough, and then, you know, from there, I still couldn't lift 10 pounds, I couldn't lift one of my cats, like, so, it was rough in that time and I really didn't have any of these people visiting me and that shit hurt you know it really did it 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 weighed on me a lot and it still does but this was at least a nice little experience where it was like oh okay this is this is where I get to see you know people some people actually still care and I I really appreciated that you know so that that was a really nice surprise and um that was not a planned surprise on my end clearly it was on on Nina's end but uh you know, it was um it was awesome and then uh it uh the week that I had planned pretty much had, you know, okay, doing this amazing AC weekend that we normally do but on a whole different level. And then I got a PlayStation, I have that to, to play with during the week. Um, as well as starting my medication again, which that was the plan on Wednesday. Um so I started that back up. And then I, I knew that on Saturday I'd be going to Edison, New Jersey to meet three of my favorite 49ers ever. And that's Ronnie Lott, the greatest safety of all time. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. And um, we have a lot of the greatest of all times on our team, the 49ers. I mean, we we hold that that title pretty heavily, I, I would say, you know, 
Um, so you get this this icon, Ronnie Lott. Add to that Fred Warner, the leader of our defense, one of the best linebackers in all of football today, and Nicholas John Boza, the defensive player of the year, best edge rusher in the game, and a guy who's going to take the fucking sack record home with him before it's all said and done. No question about it. He's going to dominate again next year. And now with Hargrave on that fucking line, you guys aren't going to stop hearing about Nick Boza for a long fucking time. And to meet all three of these guys, and I even got to tell Nick and and Fred my story, and that how much that team inspired me on this recovery. And to me, like, that, that, like, that's great. It's just, like, I never thought I'd get to have that type of conversation with one of these guys because really, like, you know, everybody who knows me knows my Niners. I'm nuts about it, you know? So this is huge to me. But the thing is, I went in for surgery October 4th. October, the night of October 3rd, the Niners played the Rams. Monday night football. The Rams knocked us out of the playoffs and went and won the Super Bowl. Stole our fucking Super Bowl title as far as I'm concerned because Jaquaski Tart dropped the pick. And, again, look, I mean, that's one play play that would have changed our future there, but a lot of things went wrong for them to be back in that game because we let them back in. But our next time playing the Rams, October 3rd, Monday night football, I'm on a liquid diet drinking fucking – uh, laxatives go in for colon cr- cancer surgery the next fucking morning. We blow out the fucking Rams like they don't fucking matter. The next day, I can't even remember if I saw it before or after surgery, but Debo was on fucking Instagram clowning Jalen Ramsey because Ramsey was talking big shit, talking about I'm him. And and Debo just smoked him on the field. Broke his ankles on that touchdown. And he's going, "Uh uh-oh, and playing a clip of fucking Ramsey fucking falling. And, yo, man, like, this is the type of shit that kept my positivity. This is what kept me not needing a whole fucking group of people. I didn't get a fucking bouquet of flowers. I didn't get a get well soon card. I didn't get a fucking balloon in my room. I didn't get a fucking... Yo, like, and it is what it is, but this is what kept me fucking strong, is watching my Niners every fucking Sunday with my family while we fucking dominated on defense. We went through three fucking quarterbacks that season, and we're in the NFC Championship game. You know what that shit did for my recovery? You know what it would have done if my team was garbage? If that 2020 Niners team hit us again, where we got plagued with fucking injuries, Boza Torres ACL, fucking everybody was hurt. We had the largest IR in the fucking league. And you know what that fucking recovery would have been like? You know what that recovery would have been like? with my team fucking losing every fucking week and me not being able to go anywhere, leave the house, move, function normally, you know, it would have been different. It wouldn't have been 
It would have been as easy, not that this was easy to begin with. But they provided me with a lot. And the fact that I got to Fred Warner and Nick Boza to their face, thank you for providing me with that strength, for helping me. Like, that shit feels amazing. And who knows? Maybe there's a pregame speech next season where my name comes up. Nick Bosley asked, asked my name. These motherfuckers might be getting hyped up for a game next season and go, yo, man, remember remember this guy? You know, he went through colon cancer, and we gave him strength. This is just, we're making millions of dollars out here and all this, but this is some, there's some bigger shit going on out there. And there's, there's kids on fucking hospice that are fucking watching these guys, and it's everything to them. You know what I mean? So it just those type of reminders for these guys, I think, hire them, which it never in a million years would I think that anything about me would inspire a professional athlete. And you just start to see your, yourself take different roles. You start to see life change in a way that if you, if you allow it to happen and, and – and adjust, it can become beautiful. It could become an amazing, positive experience, even though it was the most negative thing that ever happened to you in life. And that's what I'm trying to spin out of this. Um, so not only did I get those, I got an authentic, um, well, not authentic, the, the jersey's not like Game Warner or anything like that, but I got a Deion Sanders signed Niners jersey because they had the um, authenticity you know, all, all shit was official, Beckett fucking rated, all in there, and the vendors were fucking dope, and um, they had a good price on it. Um, speaking of good prices, before I get off this and get back on that fuck shit, the wrestling shit, um, Trey Lance was there as well. Trey Lance was charging. Now, I'm going jersey prices because, like, uh, like signed jersey, signed um, helmet, that type of thing. Because that's that's what I went for. I went for jerseys. Because to me, like Nick Boza, he was one twenty five if he wanted like a an eight by ten signed, right? But it was one fifty if you wanted a jersey signed. Look up signed jersey and look up signed eight by ten, and it, they're not close in in price. You know what I mean? So you do yourself a fucking favor, and especially if you have his jersey in your closet, get that shit signed. Retire your jersey onto your wall. You know, obviously, as long as it doesn't look like garbage. And and fucking go buy yourself a new jersey because now that one is worth fucking insane money. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, and it will be in the future. So that's what I did. Um, I retired my Ronnie Lott. I had two Fred Warners, so one of those, and my Nick Boza. And, um, but yeah, so I got, um, I got, I, I got the Dion. And, um, Dion was fucking 125, which they had a Cowboys one there. And the Cowboys was 225. You know what I mean? So to me, it was like a no-brainer. I just had to. I I looked at it initially, and I thought about it, and I went. I got all my stuff done, and when I was done, I was like, if it's still there, I'm gonna get it. And uh, it was. It was moved, but it, I was like, yo, like I gotta get it. But anyway, Trey Lance. So Boza, like I said, 150. Fred Warner was charging 75 dollars for the signed jersey. And obviously, you know, you provide the jersey, so it's not like he's giving you a jersey. But $75, one of the best linebackers in the league. Ronnie Lott, for comparison, 125 Best safety ever. 
Trey Lance 175. This dude is still not proven. And I'm rooting for the guy, man. He's a 49er. You know, but to be a guy that's not proven, and his line went fucking fast, man. He had definitely well under 100 people, and um, it went quick. Like, Boza shit went for hours. Um, They had Justin Herbert there. They had uh, uh, Bo Jackson. They had um, Terry Bradshaw. Um, Troy Palomalu, Dick Buckkiss, Justin Fields. I watched Justin Fields play catch with kids, man. Like, that is a fantastic thing to watch. You know, I just watching kids' dreams come true and shit, you know. Like, it's amazing. And um, that was dope, you know. So, um, who else? There, um, there were so many people there. Steve Sachs, Eric Lindros, uh... I know I'm missing, I'm missing, uh, that, um, that dude, uh, B. John Robinson, he's supposed to be, like, the, the best running back in the upcoming draft, he was there, um, Montana, um, I got to see Montana, like, real close, too, because he was right next to where a lot was signing, so I got to see Montana, like, right there, it was, it's always dope to see, you know, um, yeah, man. Um, that was pretty much my experience there for the most part. Um, trying to think if there's anything I missed on that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Before I get into the wrestling, let me just hop over to this fucking music shit real quick. Because I like to put a break in between this and that. Because it's obviously worlds apart. And... I want motherfuckers to get into Ferris Blusa the way I'm into this because this to me, he's he's one of the best artists in rap right now and very underappreciated, very, very underrated. And uh, he just keeps putting out fucking bangers. And this album that he just put out is, is crazy, absolutely fucking crazy. So it's called, um, I hope, wait, wait, wait. I hope this sees you well, I think. I, I, man, I, I completely lost the title to the album. The name of the song is It's Still God to You, but uh, I hope this finds you well is the name of the album. And uh, Still God to You is this track. Check. <laughs> Back, Harambe, got this game on ice, Bombe, I'm still hungry, waiting on the entree, they ain't never bring it out, I'm starting to feel singled out, they say I want what I can't have, arms reach, not a neck that I can't grab, been around since Big Meech, getting old bags, niggas be trying, it's so sad, but we throw trash, 
God, God, I'm above board. That's on me. There's nothing that I love more what? than getting money, raising feelings, making new floors. Uh-huh. Me a death, either or. Never had a bandwagon. My niggas saying all the ball. Worldwide, so they can't ignore. They can't ignore. The last cow was pushing flowers. I'm talking florist. He tried to act important. Let the Lord sort him. your time yet time you ain't getting close to me i got that dime flesh all i know is what i know i got a complex what else i need everything you got that's the concept progress these rappers don't show enough at all i told my man for the green for the hole in one a slow stroll but where i go they'll never come mama told you stay away i'm the wrong one i was gonna get right back all I saw was green when I wrote these raps That's what I saw I swear this game tried to hold me back Don't share those scraps of crumbs It all equal to sums I'm going for the top Guess I'm taking the plunge uh-huh. Rappers be selling records Couple bucks and they done back But I'm around for the culture Don't matter if I sell one or two Fuck, I'm still going to you This what I do that shit, I don't, I don't know what to fucking talk to you about, we ain't, we ain't got shit in common, um, but, uh, so after, right after I finished doing the show last time, which I don't even remember when that was, probably a month ago, but, um, last show I did, right after it ended, like, all this shit started happening, like, I, I turned on the fucking, uh, IWTV and the other thing, and, like, I had all sorts of shit going on, so, all in one night, it was like, well, so I'm going to jump around a bunch, and um, I'll just say on this thing, I was going to talk about a spot that I thought was very ridiculous and ICW that night, but out of respect, I'm just going to say R.I.P. S.P.O. Um, he was a fan of mine. Uh, he, he reached out to me multiple times on that, and I appreciate that, and uh, my heart goes out to his friends and family. Um that's that's a wild wild age to go, but this is like the stuff I was saying. Why things become very very clear if you're lucky enough to be able to steer out of that crash. If if you're given the opportunity to continue going when you see that fucking end, you feel different. So I I already knew that this shit was fragile before that that happened to him, but. It doesn't make it any less relevant, and obviously, for his friends and family, there's nothing more relevant. So my heart goes out to them. Um, my man Jeremy, who who hosted the show with them, um, much much respect to Jeremy, and you know, I uh, my heart goes out to him as well. Um, but uh, so that night it was like a bunch of shit through another after another, 
And um, I, I tuned into the – there was – Circle 6 was on. I think that was on that, that channel. And I see Zach Wentz fucking uh, swantons off a wall through, Attic, through a table with Atticus on it. And then, like, they started peeling back the fucking ring. Uh, the OI4K or – I always fuck this up. That's not what they are. Uh, it's uh, – Fucking, I don't, Jesus Christ, whatever the fucking Ohio motherfuckers are, um, they, <laughs> I almost said 401k, um, I don't, I, I don't know why, I can't think of it at the moment, um, but anyway, uh, so they're out there, and, um, they're, they're peeling back in rings, and then they, they're pulling the boards off the ring, so now you got just the frame of the fucking ring, and uh, they put a pane of glass on top of it. And so you got the metal frame of the ring with a pane of glass across the two beams. And Atticus goes to fucking hit him with the skewers and shit. And uh, he catches his hands and handcuffs him. Zach Wentz. And fucking throws Atticus handcuffed through the fucking ring frame with the glass to fucking win the match. I'm like, yo, that's fucking crazy. And then it's like... That shit pretty much ends, like, and I'm watching that, and then I'm watching, um, Tremont and Tank. Yeah, like I said, I, I was just taking notes down. And then Larry, Larry Legend to XPW happened, like, within that day, where it was like, all of a sudden, Larry's leaving XPW, and the next show's Revenge is, here comes Revenge, and shit, <laughs> like, this is fucking silly. Um, and we'll talk about Larry in a second, but, um, yeah, uh, so then I see Tremont and Tank, and, like, this is just, it's not the same. You know, I saw Tremont and Tank in IWA Mid-South, whatever the fuck year that was, uh, with Whackpacker Hogan and Jeremy, and that other little fat rodent, um, and I, uh, that was great. I mean, that was fantastic. It was, like, in the fucking dark, and I think it was raining, and it was, like, a bull rope match or some shit. And that was fucking good. Like, they had such good psychology. It just, it worked really well. It seemed, like, right, you know? This, everything has gotten so fucking just watered down. It's just oversaturated is what I should, that's what I meant oversaturated there's too much of it there's there's too much all of one all of everything all at once it's 200 light tubes it's fans bring the weapons it's no barbed wire it's no canvas it's fuck your mother it's you know it's all this shit and it's just like dude what the fuck like i can't even fucking keep track of this shit like you can't you know hit, hit someone with a pile of light tubes right at the beginning of the match well that can't be used anywhere near your finish. Like, you can't hit a guy with a pile of light tubes at the end. I mean, I guess you could be like, well, they took so much that this was the last fact they could take. But eh, it just doesn't build right. And they did their thing, whatever. They bled all over the place. And then what I hate, they immediately fucking launched into where they sat down on fucking chairs next to each other and just fucking put each other over. And then hugged and half crying and all this shit. And then Tremont gets up after they're fucking in the ring. And he smashes a light tube over his own head. 
and yell some stupid shit at the mic. This is the shit I hate because Sky couldn't fucking contain yourself and get to the back after you had a match against each other. You had to pour on all this fucking love and admiration in the fucking ring, but still didn't have the respect and admiration to not fucking no-sell the entire match and hit a fucking light tube over your own head as if you're not at your limit. This guy didn't just take you to your limit. You just fucking proved that because you're abusing yourself on top of the abuse as if I can do this shit all day. This isn't a guy who took me to my limit. You know what I mean? Because to me, if you're going to show mutual respect to a guy after a death match, the two of you should have just about nothing left in, in your, yourselves. And, and you should be fucking like, yo, help me to the back if we're going to be fucking friends at this point. Not fucking, let's fucking have like a sit-down fucking chat about this, and then afterwards I'll be like, yeah, I'll hit myself in the head, because who gives a shit? Like, oh, nobody, you don't give a fuck. Why do I give a fuck? Nobody gives a fuck. So, I don't know. That, to me, is just garbage. Like, I have no use for that at all. Um... That makes me never want to watch a Tremont match. Um, and and to me, like it just, I I can't I can't watch Tremont anymore because his whole life is is just weird. That whole living in a warehouse, fucking, it the whole atmosphere is strange. Um, uh, then I watched, so <laughs> it was, I guess, IWS. Canada, dude, they do unearned sanctioned, which is like their cage of death, WrestleMania, whatever fucking we call it. Um, final battle. Um, they had that, and it was supposed to be Team GCW versus Team IWS. I'm not gonna remember all these fucking people. Um, I'll try though. Green Phantom and Sexy Eddie versus. Who was the third GCW It was, I think, I think the Japanese chick that's with Nick Gage all the time. The anime wrestler that's with Nick Gage. And, uh, fuck, man. I almost want to say Mance Warner, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, it was like a fucking two-on-two was supposed to be. And then Nick Gage's music hits. So, oh my god, he's here, he's in Canada, which, I mean, good for him, fucking crossing borders, right? Um, but that's the only fucking positive thing I'm going to say about him in this podcast, I'm pretty sure. Um, so he's there, right? And then Manny's music hits, and it's like, well, fucking, that's huge, because I guess he, he came out of retirement for this shit. Like, he was not not wrestling for, I think, a couple of years. So he could bring fucking his little ass out there at fucking, I don't know, he's got to be, like, fucking 50-something years old. He comes fucking running out there, so now he's part of the match. So now it's a three-on-three, right? So now, like, you would think the psychology of this match would hinge around Gage and Manny, and Manny understood the fucking assignment. Gage doesn't know where the fuck he is. So, like, he did brawling with them. They battled and shit. They throw him off the fucking uh, balcony. They throw Manny off the balcony. That's not a finish. Uh, Manny takes some other kind of bullshit in the ring and just 
rips his ear off, like, huge fucking gouge in the side of his fucking head that he's just bleeding profusely from. Like, the whole back of him is just covered in, like, a pool of fucking blood. And at this point, like, the match ends. Gage is on the mic acknowledging he's, first off, he's cutting his fucking copy-and-paste fucking... Where's my gang? I do this for you. Give me an MDK. Hey, fucking, you know, all of that bullshit. Just total bullshit. Like, and I understand, like, you know, mentioning your brother and mentioning hatred, but I also remember, like, there was not a lot of fucking pull on your part to make them part of GCW or any of the things that you were doing back then. Like, you know... I know Hatred, like, begged for bookings on a lot of a lot of points of time that he was really wanting to be part of that, and that wasn't really in, in the cards for what Gage wanted, you know what I mean? So, I, I, I know, in, in retrospect, it doesn't matter because these guys are gone, and, you know, they're, they're family to him, so I, I can't begrudge him for, for saying that, but to do it on every single fucking match, every time you grab the mic, it just, I think it loses value to me. You know, like instead of like in, in in a big moment, you know, saying I couldn't have done this without you guys or I couldn't have done this. But to hear that every single fucking show you wrestle on, to me, it sounds just like a fucking like what they say on a flight before you fucking take off. Like, OK, some pre-flight instructions and they just doesn't mean shit anymore. They just have to say it. And that's what I feel like Gage is now. Gage, for so many reasons, and I'll launch into a little bit of this Gage shit now because I'm fucking irritated by him, but, um, you know, he used to have these unpredictable promos. To me, and this is the hardest fucking truth that anyone's going to have to deal with as far as Nick Gage goes, but I'm just going to be straight up fucking honest about it. Nick Gage has never been smart. That's the fucking sentence of the year as far as Nick Gage goes. If we're just going to just encapsule him within a sentence, that's something I want everyone to fucking understand because the longer we beat around this bush of Gage being an intelligent human being, the more disappointment there's been, the more letdowns, the more not understanding his fucking path in life, the more, you know, blaming police when he's the one who fucking violated his fucking parole, like all this stupid shit. That's smart. At all. He fucking robbed the bank in broad daylight. His gimmick is wearing a bandana. He showed up with no bandana that day. You know what I mean? But let's, come on. Come on with this shit. But, so he's on the fucking mic, and he's putting over everybody in the match but Manny. Manny's behind him. They're, like, holding a towel to his head. They look like they're, like, as they slowly peel up the fucking towel, they look like they're searching for his ear. Like, they look like... If it's there or not, I don't know. He's bleeding fucking crazy, like right behind Gage. Instead of him leading with, let's give it up for fucking crazy man. He's out here fucking dying. He came back from retirement, motherfucker. Instead of that, he's going like, yeah, how about Sex Yeti? How about the Green Phantom? How about my people over here? How about you fans? How about this fucking concession stand? How about the valets? Fucking... The parking staff's been fantastic tonight. And then he's like, yeah, and Manny, yeah, right there. And I'm just like, yo, like, this dude ran the fucking company that you're standing in. Like, you know, the combo IWS, GCW crossover, whatever the fuck. He was the guy 
as well as coming out of retirement to be, like, the the answer for you showing up, you throw him off the fucking balcony, he's behind, you know what I mean? Like, and he's just, like, oblivious to it, and he's still, you know, just, because it's 70K, oh, but, you know, like, that old bullshit. And I'm just like, this dude has no fucking idea. And I'm going to skip ahead just so we can get all this gauge shit out of the way. So then I watched the fucking match where he gets beat by Masha Slamovich for his fucking title. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is the biggest problem to me with women's wrestling. Chicks get (laughs) super, super woke. Um, Whatever chicks get to be extraordinary, when when they get to be better than the rest of the group, rather than that becoming the standard for women's wrestling that continues to get built upon and held to that standard, they separate themselves from the group and they go start working guys. They start getting put over heavyweight championships. So that that division will never stay strong because it's almost like college football and you get to a certain point, you get drafted, and now you're in the big leagues. So that's always going to be a B-flick because it's never going to be the same group of people, you know, whenever they get to that point where they become stars, they become, they gain the momentum, they gain the buzz, they gain the credibility, they, they work on their craft to the point where they can wrestle with anybody that are not just good for women, they're good, they're good for anybody, they immediately wind up in world title matches taking the title over Gage, which to me looks like garbage because Gage looks like shit losing to Masha Slamovich, and, like, yeah, that makes Masha look good, but it makes the rest of your fucking locker room look like absolute shit to me. Instead of saying, I have the most dominant women's division out here, I got this one and that one, you got Allie Catch, which I'm so fucking glad she took Cat out of her name when she decided to let herself go. Um, so, you, you know, it just, to me, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all, and, you know, Gage out there standing on the mic going, you're the realest motherfucker in the locker room to Masha Slamovich, Akira's girlfriend. You know what I mean? And and this is why, another reason why I don't like this is because it makes me have to talk her down, and it doesn't, it shouldn't. The reason I feel that's necessary is because she's not in the proper role. You know? Like, you can do the giant killer shit for so long, but if you put the little guy in the heavyweight title picture and then just run him for six months as, like, an unstoppable force, and it's not, like, there's no, like, storyline that jives with why it's working. It's just like, yeah, any chick could just win the world title that Gage held for, like, fucking two years. I don't know, like, how I, how long he had it this time because I think it changed hands with the Cardona and all that, right? But before that, Gage held the fucking title for like two years. The whole list of fucking people who could not get the belt off of Nick Gage and Masha Slamovich, first title, first title shot comes in there and takes it. Yo, like, I just don't think it looks good for anybody. And again, Masha could be amazing. But in that role, it's wrong. It doesn't work. You know? It just... You have Masha Slamovich 
if you wanted to, if you were dead set on making Masha Slamovich the world champion, you have Masha Slamovich win this thing that, you know, look, they just had Jordan Oliver win it, and I'm completely behind that, as I said on the last show. I thought he did fantastic. But you build Masha Slamovich up, having her win a fucking tournament or something, right? Have her winning like that. You know, and, and then, like, fucking send her to, like, the finals of a deathmatch tournament or some shit like this. And maybe against Gage. Who knows? You know, like... Do something that puts her into that category over and over, and then when she goes over for the title, it's not like, huh, the fuck? And Gage is like, you're the realest motherfucker in the locker room. It's like, okay, so she's realer than her boyfriend. She's realer than, oh, Mox has been there. She's realer than that guy. You you put him over a million times. Uh, Deppin's back there. Uh, You know, all these other guys, like, None of them really mean shit because, like, this is the realest motherfucker right here. Like, I just, it doesn't work for me in the context it was put in at all. Um, And and Gage, like, you know, he he works really, really bad now. He's He's not good anymore. He's slow. He's not intense. His promos are cut, cut and paste. And this is a guy who who wanted to be the badass coming out of fucking prison and, and going on interviews saying, if you think... I shouldn't wrestle anymore. Go fuck yourself, pussy. Well, fuck, you know, dude, you can't beat your own fucking demons and fucking keep your head on straight. And you think being a tough guy like that is, is it compensates for it? It doesn't. The thing about it is, is I like, and I, I know you weren't just talking to me, and I know you're not listening to this, so I'm saying it like you, but I don't know why I'm saying it that way. Um. You you know, when I said that personally, I could speak to my own intentions and say that I said that because Gage spent a lot of fucking time entertaining me. And one of the costs of entertaining me and living the lifestyle he was living landed him in fucking prison. When he landed in prison, I wanted nothing but him to come out and be okay and live a fucking nice, healthy life and maybe, you know, find some other avenue and, and, and live a long time because he entertained me so much and obviously hit this rock bottom for fucking anybody. If you're robbing a bank in broad daylight because you're so addicted to fucking opiates that you can't manage. So fucking cut the tough guy shit because that's a fucking tremendous weakness. You could, you could do the act and all of that shit on your fucking, your, your wrestling gimmick. But we're going to cut to the fucking bullshit because that's not a strong man act. And then you're on the run with fucking going to AC with Lauderdale and spending the money because you didn't even know what to fucking do with yourself. And then you came out and within a year you fucking violated and you go back to, to prison and people are going, fuck the police. For what? Because you couldn't stay clean for a year after spending that long in? To me, that makes you a fucking knucklehead. That doesn't make the world, the fucking police are fucking, I mean, dude, get your shit together, you know, but again, like, when you're talking shit on the people who are wishing the best for you, then what do you expect the response to be when that shit doesn't work out, when you go your way, so that's just where I'm at now, and I'm irritated, I'm irritated because I'm watching them do dumb shit over and over and over. 
I don't know how his sobriety is going. I can only assume that it's going well because I see him in the gym all the time on the post. But again, like, this guy's a 40-something-year-old man with a broken fucking deathmatch wrestler's body with fucking bad opiate problems in the past, which does do fucking damage to your bones. And he's fucking trying to deadlift the most weight he could possibly deadlift. He's trying to squat as much weight as he can. Instead of doing functional fitness to get himself back fast and nimble and be able to move around like he can move around before, pulverizing his joints to further put himself into a hole on the other side of this shit, which is in clear view, by the way, because he can't fucking work anymore. So I I just can't fucking, I can't cheerlead this shit. So yeah, uh, that's, that's Gage's shit. Um... Let's go back to the uh, uh, Larry thing. So Larry jumps to XPW. He goes on this whole fucking thing. He went on the uh, Boulevard Bullies podcast or whatever, which I don't like those guys just because, they, you know, they're anyone who has the drunk lifestyle, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on 10 years sober off alcohol. I than entertained by that lifestyle. You know, I'm less than entertained by the the goofiness of the constant celebration of alcohol. You know, even in my time in my during my alcoholism, I I drank fucking 100 Miller Lights a week or, or over without a question because I I bought 330 packs a week, you know? Um so I I mean I was fucking I was going I, I never owned a Miller Lite hat, shirt, any of that shit. I wasn't proud of it. I couldn't embrace that shit as like, this is me, man. Like, yeah, I love this shit. Like, part of me knew I, I was better. I just knew that there was better there. That I, there was focus there. There was a there was a me that was just fucking better. But, again, like, this, this celebration of that lifestyle, it's just it's gross to me. I'll never like it. I'll never respect people who live like that, you know? And it's just because... I didn't respect myself, and I still knew better than to actually celebrate it at that time. Um, and uh, I don't know why they're famous. I don't, I don't know what they've ever done as far as I'm concerned. They're just drunks, and who gives a fuck? Um, so Larry goes on their thing, and I tried to watch it the best I could. I was in the gym, and I was getting annoyed, and I, I'd turn it off and put the music on and then go back to it and shit because – they turned it into their thing, so they started complaining about Danny DeMano, too. Like, they had all this pent-up energy about Danny, and they, they had problems with this and that. And and I was just like, I don't know who you think gives a fuck about what the Boulevard bullies think about Danny DeMano, but, like I, like, I don't understand. I just don't. Why? I mean, I you know, it's their show, so obviously they can do what the fuck they want with it, but, like, I don't give a fuck. And to be honest with you, I don't really give a fuck about the Larry situation. And, you know, I watch it, like, morbidly curious. So Larry finally gets to whatever he's talking about or whatever. and Or, or maybe I just caught the part that he was talking about. And he's going on and on about, you know, guys, are, you know, they're your friends when everything's going well. But but if you need something, then, then you're a piece of shit and da 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 so he was keeping it pretty vague. I mean, he talked about some things about the, the trip that he, he wasn't on and shit and, uh, you know, different things like that. But, you know, then 
he got into this, uh, what the fuck is a, a merch packer princess or whatever, packer princess or some shit. Uh, I guess that's Danny's girlfriend, because I didn't know that existed. I didn't know what the fuck a Packer princess was, because I'm a fucking adult. That's why. Like, because I don't, I don't want, I wouldn't sit there and be like, yo, like, let me buy a fucking piece of board with someone's blood on it, signed by somebody. Like, I'm not a fucking loser, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't know what a fucking packing princess is. So, he's flipping out, like, and he's like, Oh, and she moved my stuff, and, like, his initial posts were talking about people keeping their hands off his stuff, his bag. That, to me, sounds like theft. Now, he's going off on this shit, like, she moved his shit, like, it was somewhere, and then he moved it to somewhere else. And he starts going off on some shit, and I got a weird, like, weird vibe. Weird vibe on it, because... He was Danny's guy, like, sitting around on the couch smoking weed with him all day and shit, being Danny's guy. Danny's Danny's a jerk-off, you know what I mean? So if you're Danny's guy like that, you're not that far from being a jerk-off yourself. Like, you're not, you're not in the dark about who he is. You're ride or die with this fucking guy next to you who you fucking, you've defended against all the fucking people who called him out for being the scumbag that he was. So... Again, when this happens, it makes me go, like, wait a minute, what? Oh, now you have a problem with him? Like, that's fucking weird. You know, when the whole Danny DeMano, Brett Lauderdale thing started up, I was like, Brett Lauderdale's a fucking weasel, and Danny ain't shit, and this is fucking hilarious, because these two fucking jerk-offs got together, and they're fucking killing it with this company. What's the next thing that happens? Danny DeMano gets thrown the fuck out of his own fucking company. Oh, well, that, didn't Jay say he was a fucking weasel when this shit started? Oh, that's weird. So Danny's on his own now. Okay. And, and you know what I mean? Like, the, a lot of this shit just, it goes as, as I expected it to. Now, she kept, she kept making sure that no matter where my stuff was, it was always in the way. And you could see, like, this motherfucker was, like, way riled up. Yo, so you're hanging out with Danny on his fucking couch on a regular basis, chilling out, all this, da-da-da. That's his girlfriend. So you and his girlfriend hate each other, and what's the side? What's the what's behind all of that? What tension is behind all of that? That's got you so riled the fuck up about his girlfriend, and that's your dog. You know what I mean, I don't know. I just got a weird fucking vibe from it because it wasn't as simple as like, oh, some you know the people are stealing my shit, or you know, I, it just. It, it, it had a weird, weird relationship vibe to it, you know what I mean? And I don't know, like, the ins and outs of this and that. I'm not accusing anybody of doing anything. I'm just saying, overall, it didn't have your normal fallout energy. And I don't know what that is, because I'm not them, but fucking weird. Um, so, yeah, like, and the way Danny went about it, too, because... I watched this shit the other day, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll get into that later. Um, if I have time, because, goddamn, fucking going through a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, I'll have time. Um, so I got that. I got the Larry thing. So, you know, Larry's working for XPW now, and again, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I, I thought the thing was really cool when I saw Drake come out, and they hugged and shit, and, like, you know. I think that it's cool that Drake still likes black people. I think it's still cool that he likes Mexican people. 
Because, you know, with some of the shit that he says, like, and some of the shit that he supports, it's hard to know if that's a, if that's a thing. You know what I mean? It, like, you just don't know. Because he, he's been on some real radical shit. So, you know. But anyway, uh, that was that was cool to see. Um, what the fuck? All right, so let me see what the fuck happened here. So then, let's get into this recent shit that I just watched. Um, yeah, it was Mance Warner. I, I just noticed in my notes. Yeah, it was Mance Warner and Green Phantom versus. Uh, or no, no, no. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Mance Warner, Gage, and uh, the Japanese chick versus those three. Um, Eddie Phantom and Manny. Um, so this weekend, uh, let's just, GCW. Um, Gage gets saved by Matcha when uh, Cardona and Cardona's girlfriend jumps him after his match with Bussy. I mean, I don't know. I can't even put any more fucking words to that situation than what I just said. Uh, let's go to the good thing. Um, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne um, and Motor City Machine Guns, fucking fantastic match. Really, really great. Um, you know, that that was that was good shit. They won the titles. Good for them. And, uh, yeah. Um, Joey versus Bushi. Fucking fantastic. Amazing, amazing fucking match. I would expect no less out of Joey in the moment and, you know, knowing what he can do. And, you know, he, he's he's a guy who's just going to make a fucking moment given the opportunity. If he feels the match is important enough, he's going to do some shit you're going to remember that match from. Some crazy fucking spots, some crazy fucking moves. I mean, he, he fucking went all out. As, as expected, and Kota Ibushi has been one of the best wrestlers in the world for a long time. I, I remember I went to Jakarta years ago. It was one of my birthday trips, my birthday AC trips, and that weekend they had like a Chikara trios thing or something, and we fucking went, checked in at the hotel, drove to Philly, watched Kota Ibushi in some kind of fucking six-man, whatever the fuck, and then went back to the fucking hotel because I had to see Kota Ibushi live because I knew that guy was that special. So, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of his for a long time, so this was going to be a fucking killer. I had no question about it. Um, so then uh, there was that. Um, the tag ladder match I saw um, most of on the um, ROH I missed the the Joe Mark Briscoe that I wanted to see, but uh, I guess they put that on early. I didn't catch it in time, and you know I was trying to bounce around between all sorts of different shit, and um, I missed that. So, um, but I saw the most of the tag ladder match, and that destroyer was fucking insane. I, the first time I saw it, I didn't even notice his fucking leg breaking, and I, I guess I tuned out like right about at that time, and I I walked away from the screen or something. And then the next day, I was getting all these fucking, like, messages about this dude breaking his leg. I'm like, I fucking watched that spot. I don't know how the fuck I possibly missed that. Because then every other fucking video I watched of it, I'm like, clearly he broke his fucking leg. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, that was nutty. Um, and then really fucking good match. I liked a lot 
was Claudio Castagnoli versus Kingston, and that shit, like, you know, the thing with me with Kingston is, yeah, he's never been in great shape, but he is passionate. Passion, to me, it, it goes so far, because when you hear him cut a promo and you believe he hates the fucking guy that he's talking about, and then he gets in the ring and he has this seething fucking look on his face. Like, he can't fucking wait to fucking rip this other guy apart. Like, now every strike, you know he's trying to fucking... And, and he's trying to fucking outlast this guy that's in such better shape, that's the champion, that's beating the shit out of him. And, you know, it's like, man, like, they really took it to each other. And... and Again, like, I, I would expect none less than this. Gut-wrench suplex from the fucking apron to the floor. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, yeah, brutal, and I, I highly, highly recommend going out and seeing this fucking match. And um, it was great. Um, saw uh, on WrestleMania last night, I, I saw the Logan Paul or Seth Rollins. That shit was fucking great, too. Um, I Logan Paul, he's so much better than your average fucking indie wrestler. And I don't even know how that's possible. Like, I, I don't know if he's just working that fucking hard behind the scenes. He very well may be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he just seems to get it. And, I mean, he's taking insane fucking bumps all over the place. I don't know how that guy doesn't have broken ribs today, if he does or doesn't. Um... Because, man, like, the amount of splashes from, like, fucking, like, from the fucking ring to the fucking announce table, from the fucking, the the post, you know, like, all sorts of fucking splashes and shit. And, like, if he, you know, doesn't know what he's doing and doesn't land that shit right, like, fuck. Um, that shit, I watched uh, Charlotte vs. Rhea. That was fucking insane, man, like... Charlotte took a fucking suplex on her face. Like, she took a German, and instead of taking it on her back, she, you know, flipped through and took that shit right on her fucking face. She had, like, blood on the fucking bridge of her nose, which I was like, yo, dude, like, I don't know if she fucking compound fractured that shit, like, and popped through the fucking skin, or or she just, like, raked, you know, made her skin raw, like, raked it on the fucking mat when she she came through on that suplex, but, man, she fucked her shit up. I feel like she's going to be back at the fucking plastic surgeon after that one, because Jesus fucking Christ. But, um, yeah, I mean, just great match back and forth, and, you know, you you really saw that Rhea just had her fucking dreams come true, and she, she won that match, and that's that's great to see. I'm still enjoying that. I'm not really giving a fuck when a deathmatch wrestler wins a fucking title, because, like, you're watching people celebrate them, like, canceling their future. And I don't mean canceling the, the woke way, because I don't really... Um, I mean, like, yeah, man, like, I'm just li- lining myself up for a wheelchair right now for a fucking handful of claps, and I'll end up selling this fucking trophy I just won later on. Like, half of these guys sell the shit fucking 20 minutes later to fucking... <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I, I know guys. That own a lot of stuff, you know, um, and they're not wrestlers. 
Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know that shit. Like it, it feels cool to see these these people, you know, go from working their way to accomplish this dream and to be at WrestleMania holding the fucking belt up. That I mean, I I, I that's not lost on me to know that that is actually success. That is actually making this business that to me for the most part is worth shit worth something and that's hard to do really fucking hard to do so every one of these people should be proud of themselves and i can see it in them you know uh uh, zane and owens went in the tag belts on that main event that i thought was great too i mean just amazing that's that shit you know that's that thing that i think you know you know, it, you like to see those these people get that big victory. Because the other side of that is just fucking walking around crippled in conventions if you're lucky. And that's it. It's 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 not pretty. Um So yeah, that's that was most of uh everything I saw. I'm gonna try to watch this uh mania thing tonight and see what I see there. Um one other thing I want to bring up and I want to talk about it is, um, and this is, you know, partially because, oh, I didn't even talk about the XBW show. What the fuck? So XBW did a fucking show, uh, this revenge is whatever the fuck with Larry, and their fucking big spot was they did um, Big and Joe was up against The Body, as he calls himself, although... Lacking thereof, which I think is the reason of the gimmick. It's supposed to be funny. Whatever. Um, He's got, like, the super gay gimmick. And Big Joe pulls out a syringe and sticks it through the body's dick. And he's standing there with his dick hanging out. Like, not, like, not fake, not worked. Not any, like with the fucking needle through his dick, standing there, and like it's on the fucking camera, it's in front of the crowd. There's kids in the fucking building, and uh, you know, it's just to me, it's not fucking wrestling at all. Like I didn't like the syringes through the fucking face. I didn't like syringes in the foot. I didn't like syringes fucking. I don't like syringes here. I don't like syringes there. I don't like syringes anywhere. You know what I mean? Like. I do not like green eggs and ham in my death matches. So, fucking, this is clearly not going to be my thing. And if it's your thing, I don't think we're into the same shit. This isn't just deathmatch wrestling. So anyway, two matches later, Drake Younger, defender of all children, you know, upholding Christian values everywhere, wrestles two matches after the fucking needle-through-the-dick spot with kids in the building. But he's so worried about fucking kids. I don't mean fucking kids. Um, Although Rob is not opposed to booking those people if they're canceled because he thinks it's cool to book canceled guys because he thinks that's, that's, like, buzzworthy. He thinks he's being a rebel by booking people who are actual, literal fucking pieces of shit and, and, and terrible weights on society. But, you know, um, so again, Drake comes out there and has this match with fucking Arrow Boy, 
And I, again, as I keep saying on these great matches, I would expect none less. This was fucking insane. I, I would expect nothing less. Drake has been absolutely on fire as far as his in-ring performance has gone. Um, he is in full fucking deathmatch mode in all these fucking matches, claiming to be the, the, the best deathmatch wrestler in the world. And I can't fucking really argue with him because if Drake's going all in, on deathmatches again, he became fucking insanely good. Not only was he a great deathmatch wrestler, but he whipped himself into shape, and then he was a great wrestler on top of that because he polished that part of things up, and now he's got all of it, and he's just fucking insane out there doing shit. So he had a great fucking match. After the match, um, into attack, upholding Christian values, Drake Younger was G-Raver. And you may... You may <laughs> Hi, I'm G-Raver. You may recognize me from a car parked with many drugs inside as I was nodding out against the window. You may recognize me from such abuse cases as he made my life hell. He punched a seizure a girl into her face until she seizured. Like, this is the type of shit that this guy fucking did. And not like a long time ago, like just a minute ago, and his mugshots were fucking everywhere, and he didn't stay away long enough to have fucking really done any hard rehab on himself. He, he made some kind of post about, oh, I need to, I need a, a tattoo work, but I don't have a shop, so I have to do it on location at other shops, but I'm going to be picky about the environment because of what I've gone through. So he's probably just trying to cold turkey everything and then launch himself back into deathmatch wrestling as well as tattooing. And I'm sure that'll all work out great. Right. You know. And by the way, like, Danny can talk all the shit he wants about G-Raver. No, 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 let's not skip ahead to Danny because I got a lot more Danny to talk. Um, but anyway, so G-Raver, he's fucking out there. And he's laughing at the fans and shit, like, yeah, I'm back, ha, ha, ha. Like, this is the scumbag shit why Rob should fail, because he thinks it's being a rebel by booking people that no one will book for good reason. He booked Ronald McDonald after they fucking canceled Ronald McDonald. They canceled Ronald Fucking XPW made a statement on their fucking website and their fucking Facebook that they will no longer be using Ronald McDonald because he's a domestic abuser. Waited fucking three, four shows and then brought him back. They brought in the guy that fucking beat Charlie Flair. Supposedly beat Charlie Flair. He's there. They got the Necro Butcher. And, you know what I mean? Like, and the main event was Atticus and... uh and Schlack, and I, I, I can't even say that I I gave this match a fucking chance because by the time that happened, I was just like, fuck all of this. This is ridiculous. They're bringing this scumbag back. This guy's getting stabbed in the dick. Like, this is not my fucking shit, bro. This isn't, I you know, my favorite form of entertainment is 49ers fucking football, and this is not that. You know what I mean? Like, this is not that. And, and, and on, the, on the wrestling side of things, I like fucking – Hard-hitting, violent fucking wrestling. I don't like any of what that is. So, this is, you know, it's just, I can't, I can't tune into that type of shit on a regular basis. 
I'll, I'll skim a, a few of these fucking things coming up. If I, you know, land on a fucking uh, a website that that's showing it, because it ain't gonna be out of my fucking pocket, and um, you know, and, but I I don't have it marked on my fucking calendar. I couldn't tell you when the next show is, but all I know is like they think that this is this is the envelope that they want to push, and it, I don't think it's gonna end well at all. Um, so that's that's XPW. Um. So let's talk about Danny Amano. Okay, so he did a podcast thing that a bunch of people sent me last week, and I didn't get to it till last night, and it was, like, late, and I was like, ah, let me just put this shit on and fucking hope y'all fall asleep or something. And I, I was just fucking up because every night this is my life now. Uh, so I listened to pretty much the whole thing, and uh, first off, the, the guys interviewing him are fucking dorks and it's everything I don't want to be in my fucking life. Um, this is, this is why, like, I don't, I, I don't like to associate myself with, oh, like I'm a wrestling fan because 90% of you motherfuckers make yourself look like pathetic fucking, um, just like you would never be in charge of any operation on the planet. Like you would only be following people. You would only be waiting for instructions. You would only be hoping somebody else did something for you, like, just don't seem like fucking any type of leader, any any type of intense, impressive, anything. And that's, like, defines so many fucking wrestling fans that I just, I, I don't know, I, I don't like mediocre um, cruise control living fucking people. I, I don't like it. So anyway... Um, he goes on there, and they're just, wow, this is so happy, happy, this is so great, this is amazing, and it's not that amazing, it's Danny Damano, it's the New York DJ Hyde, it's, it's not, it's not that fucking amazing, um, so anyway, he comes on there, and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the, the positive side of things that I will, will, um, I will personally apologize for portraying Danny Damano as a domestic abuser, because the information that I was given by people who were reading things off of online portrayed him as such. And after hearing his explanation, I completely agree that that was trumped up bullshit. And I don't think he's a good guy, but I don't think it's because of that no, any longer. Um, just because of all the other things that he does that makes him a shithead. Um, but I do not think he's a domestic abuser. Um, I'll talk about two other people, too. Um, after this, but just to, to give you the same examples that he gave, so just so you don't have to listen to his shit, um, uh, he basically laid it out and said, you know, uh, that whole thing was photoshopped together, you know, obviously the picture of her was in color where she was uh, looking beat up, but that was from a car accident, that wasn't from the, the night in question. Um, and then the other thing is, is he was the, he was arrested not for domestic violence. He was arrested on um, traffic warrants. So the neighbors called the cops when he, him and his, his girlfriend, his then girlfriend, were being loud arguing. And when they got there, because the, the, the neighbor had said, oh, I think it's domestic violence, they were responding to a call of domestic violence. So that has to be on the police report of why they showed up. But when they ran his name, he was um, – he had warrants for traffic violations. 
So he went on that, but nowhere in there do you see any charges of domestic violence or any um, further investigation of domestic violence. So I, I have to say that on that side of things, because I'm interested in facts, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not out here just trying to bash people blindly or anything like that. Like Danny D'Amato is the guy that said that, you know, told people on the Internet that I would be going away soon. So forever Danny D'Amato can go fuck himself. And by the way, not from you. Not from alcoholism, not from fucking cancer. Have I gone fucking anywhere? So anyway, um, he uh, yeah. So I I don't think he's even guilty of that. Um, however, then he goes on to fucking high horse himself the G Raver situation. Then he goes on to high horse himself about Drake, and he goes, you know, he loves Drake and everything, and he's a fan of Drake and all of this, but he would never book Drake because. What if a woman was in attendance that had an abortion? And all the things that Drake said really upset her because, you know, this is something that she had to deal with in regular life, and this is something that he doesn't respect and, and would upset her. So he would never book someone that would upset a potential fan in attendance. Okay, get the fuck out of here because you, Danny – we're the first motherfucker to bring the necro butcher in, despite multiple people reminding you that this guy bludgeoned a fucking woman that was in the fetal position on a recliner, begging him to stop. And he later justified it by saying, well, it wasn't the right thing to do, but what would you do? She took my Disney money, and I just wasn't having it. Well... You know, and that that was his fucking thing. No real remorse. No, I'm terribly sorry. This is something I'm getting help for. I'll never do it again. Da, da, da. No, just like, well, what would you do? Well, I wouldn't punch a woman in the fucking head. That's what I would do. I'd start there and then branch out. You know what I mean? There's a lot of avenues I can go. As long as I take that off the agenda, no punching a woman in the head. There's a lot of different ways it can go. And some of those are very positive. You know, you can really turn things in a good direction. If you just start with crossing that off the possible options, you know what I mean? Like as you scroll down your little Terminator menu that's written in crayon in the Necro Butcher's head, and you just go like, punch her in the head, uh, talk about how we can fix this situation, um, part ways with this person and find a better life with more responsible people. You know what I mean? And, like, if it's, if you don't go any further than that first little written in crayon Terminator prompt in your in your necro head, and and that's as far as you get, and that's then you're not that fucking smart of a guy. You're not someone I could value if, that, if that's your, your go-to. But this is why I want to different – I want to make sure that this stands differently than the people I'm talking about. And that includes Danny D'Amato. Because it's not the same. But it is the same guy that you booked, Danny. Like, you did book the Necro Butcher knowing all of that and okay with it. Okay with it enough to book him, for sure. You do have a locker room full of drugs, and you're okay with that, too. So let's not get too crazy on the G. Raver situation, because there's a toxic, drug-filled environment that you run. So, let, let again, let's, let's not fucking beat around the bush. Um... So anyway, um, then the other the other thing that I, I I'd like to say as far as uh, the the domestic 
things. I do not believe the Masada accusations. And I'll explain to you why on that, too. Because when Masada initially had these accusations put against him by his girlfriend, um, I, I feel very strongly against these things. But I've also tried to do a little bit of due diligence and a little bit of, I don't even want to say research, but if you want to call it that, call it that. But give people a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt and just try to look a little bit further before I make my conclusion. So I will say that about Masada. And the reason why is because I reached out to his girlfriend just to see what her story was. And what her story was was, you know, that he abused her, he physically abused her. And, you know, my response to that is, well, like, so you're going to do something about it, right? You're not just going to let that happen. Like, because I believe people should be arrested and should be put in jail for that. I'm not this, like, fuck the police guy that's like, everything should just be lawless. Well, it, unless we're allowed to shoot people who beat women and fucking rape children, then, no, I think police should inv involve themselves at some point. Because if you get locked up for doing some vigilante shit, well, then, then what the fuck did we avoid the police for the first part? Why didn't we just put that other guy away? You know what I mean? As bad as you want to fucking do some street justice, like, it just doesn't work that way, because in the end, someone ends up in jail, and why the fuck would it be the person that didn't, that had the better intentions, you know? Um, so, I, when I reached out to her, I just said, you know, and she, she's like, no way, he's not getting away with it, I'm fucking filing charges, and da 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 He was never arrested. He was never arrested. To the best of my knowledge, he doesn't have any fucking warrants. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the know of his warrant situation or anything like that. But until I hear otherwise, he doesn't have anybody looking for him. He wasn't arrested to even investigate the situation. So the, despite her telling people that she went to the police, she never did and hasn't and won't and has moved on. And so for that reason, I can't say that Masada beat this woman because just wasn't handled it wasn't handled the way that she said it was going to be and i know uh, some people are scared to go to the police and this and that i also um, know somebody that that masada showed a video to on his phone that showed his ring cam footage of what time he left the house and what time she alleges he did some stuff and it, it doesn't line up it just doesn't line up so i don't think masada did that um and the third person is chris dickinson because again Charges weren't fucking pressed. Charges weren't filed. There was just an internet attempt to sabotage him right on the cusp of him getting his dream bookings with New Japan. And when you looked at a lot of the allegations, I had a problem with it from the start just because of the angle some of it took. You know, physical abuse is the thing that jumps off the page. But then when it comes down to it, and your physical abuses, he slapped me once years ago, but before you even mentioned the slap, you went, he said women shouldn't be wrestlers because they're not as good as men. He said that I shouldn't wrestle. He said that I shouldn't this. He said the slap came like fucking 45 minutes later after all these complaints. Portive, you're, you're just upset that he wasn't, he wasn't a nice guy in, in the situation. But the thing that comes way later is the thing that jumps off the page that now you're going to base the entire fucking thing over. 
and I just don't buy it. And then the other the other girlfriend, because um, Christina Von Erie, who cheated on Masada with, with Dickinson to begin with, um, she I don't buy any of her shit because that's what I just explained. Um, and then the other girlfriend said that like her physical abuse that she outlined was he threw a water bottle at me and he's really strong and that could have killed me. Okay, could have, but it fucking none of these things these hypothetical situations happened and maybe he lost his cool in the moment. You know, you're not going to hear about the apology if there was one. It just, it becomes just not a domestic abuse, but a domestic fucking breakup. Like a domestic fucking, we don't get along anymore. If we documented every fucking one of those and then went to their job and was like, you shouldn't fucking employ this guy anymore because he called me a cunt last night after dinner. And then he's going to call you into the office and be like, did you call Linda a cunt last night? We don't appreciate women being spoken to. In the, is this the world we want? And I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. And I don't think it should wind up in the same basket of people who are punching women in the fucking face. Because those people should be put under the fucking jail. And instead, they're still booked on cards while we're removing other people from cards for hearsay. So those three people right there, I I will say on record here, I do not buy the allegations, and I do not believe that they're domestic abusers. You know? And, you know, look, man, yes, Masada has been one of my favorite deathmatch wrestlers. Yes, Chris Dickinson is probably one of my very favorite wrestlers. Um, That doesn't have a whole lot to do with things. And if you don't understand that, then you should know that the other guy I talked about is someone I don't like at all. Like, I think he's a jerk off, and I just want to make sure that I'll drive that home one more time. Um, but, but yeah, and, you know, and the other part I'll take away from that interview is he is backing down heavy as fuck from Rob Black. He is, oh, I wish things would work out. I'm rooting for everyone. I want everyone to be okay. And if we could all work together, and it's like, dude, he is pissing in your fucking mouth right now. He took the building you were working in. He took talent from you. He took your fucking ring announcer. He is shitting on you openly on every one of his fucking podcasts that he feels like. I haven't listened in a while, but I, I assume he is because that's how he, he rolls. And your response is like, I don't want to fight. Oh, shit. You were riled up at the beginning. Shit got real, I guess. And... Now it's, oh, I just wish everyone could get along. It's like, oh, okay, I see. And and he won't even listen to Larry's podcast thing because he knows it's going to hurt him, and he just hopes one day that they can get back together. And, and yeah, I'm pretty sure he's been told exactly what Larry said by probably 80 people. So, you know, which is about the crowd that he draws usually. So that's that's why I guessed 80. Um yeah, man, I, I think that's about all I got. Um, Goat Simulator is an awesome game, uh, speaking of, because I'm thinking of what I'm doing next, and PS5 might be in the fucking works. Goat Simulator is an awesome fucking game. Um, it's like Grand Theft Auto with a goat. Like, you run around just being a goat. That's how it starts. You learn to jump. You learn to flip. You learn to fucking smash people with your fucking head. You can, like, rear up and just run up on them and smash them. Uh... 
you know, do all that crazy shit, fucking to make all your fucking goat noises. There's like 20 different goat noises. I know that was close to none of them, but I'm a cat guy. Um, so anyway, it's a really fucking fun game and I uh, highly recommend it. But yeah, um, I think that's about all I got. Um, I'm going to go watch the rest of this mania thing tonight and uh, I think that's about it. Uh, if you can, yeah, like I told you on the last one, any kind of support you could send, you know, uh, Morris at yahoo.com on the Venmo. Um, check out my YouTube page. Try to share, subscribe. Uh, it's family friendly. It's, it's all about animals and what I'm doing at the house. Um, that's, that's, that's the brand I'm trying to build. You know, this thing has really mentally done a lot to me and I'm continually trying to fight through it and, and battle and, and trying to create my own kind of brand and, and help people with the knowledge that I've learned from all the years and, um, you know, make, make things better for cats and chickens and, you know, whatever else I have that I can maybe pass forward knowledge and information that helps people. Um, I've, I've done so much in this 21 years and, and it, although things are changing shape quite, quite vastly and drastically, I want it to shift into something positive the way that I had mentioned before, because that's, that's what I've found is, is it's really your response to things more than it is whatever it is. Because cancer is a bad motherfucker, but, like, if my response to cancer is a positive outlook on life that I never had before, well, then shit, like, cancer wasn't as bad, you know? I mean, I don't, I have so many fucking question marks and all this other things. Some of it I just try to block out, and some of it I just keep trying to strive for better, keep trying to build on my brand. I, I took some days off of the uh, YouTube I'm going to try to get back on it heavy this week, try to really get some, some good stuff up there, and then just try to stay consistent. Consistency is key with a lot of things, with uh, physical training, with um, with everything. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, and uh, that's, that's all I could say. And, uh, yeah, please support when you can. Love you, motherfuckers. Peace. Talk to you all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. I'm tired as rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. Keep it in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So... What I make you good? Black cheese tell me tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people, and I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. 
Me, I always tell the truth. Even when I lie. The Juza Kid Radio. Jesus! A sacred night to the back guy. I'm gonna tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools. 